Welcome to Conversations with Claire. I'm your host, Claire Bates. I'm a movement, nutrition, and mindset coach through my app, Wellness with Claire. Podcast host, coach at The Collective in Austin, Texas, sober alcoholic, brand builder, and competitive hybrid athlete. I've created this podcast to share inspiring stories and have meaningful conversations in hopes that we can create community together to learn and grow. Oh, and I hope to make you laugh. <laughs> Welcome to Conversations with Claire. Let's talk about coaching and how to get from where you are now to where you want to be. Wellness with Claire is my very own coaching platform where I offer personalized meal plans, personalized workout plans based on your goals, accountability through community and weekly group coaching calls, mindset coaching and tracking features for results. I also offer one-on-one -on -one coaching, which gives you full app access, direct access to me via WhatsApp and 100% accountability with me, including weekly video calls. Wellness is a mental, physical and spiritual experience. The system works together as a whole, and I'm here to help you live in alignment with your principles and values and actualize a quality of life beyond your current dreams. Check the show notes or the links in bios on socials to find more information about how to get involved with Wellness with Claire today. All right. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Claire. Today, I have a guest with me, Zach Rushalo. Thank you for being here. It's good to be here. Who is Zach? Zach is known on the internet for being the flexible dieting lifestyle guy. He has a super successful Instagram account, YouTube, I'm sure much more than I know about that he makes beautiful content of super macro friendly food. Also, just side note, I think there's also a component to your social media that is ASMR. <laughs> kind of, kind of, sort of. It's like a love hate type thing. It's it just some, pe some people like it, some people don't. It's a way that I can add a little bit more personality into what I do. A and, thousand percent. Yeah. I don't feel like I identify as someone who's like, mm, love ASMR, but I've watched enough of your content. I think what's actually really funny. Once I met you in person and then I went and looked at your account and I like fell down the rabbit hole and I don't fall down the rabbit hole all too often these days, especially not on one account. Mm -hmm. And I fell down it. I don't know when I came up for air, but I remember coming up and being like, holy shit, that's good content. So good job. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you. I mean, that's the goal. The rabbit hole is the pinnacle. It's like, okay, can you create content enough in a consistent matter that flows in a way that somebody can just get lost in it. And man, I have to thank specifically TikTok for giving me that ability. It was a platform that I was resistant towards for a while, just because it meant me having to make my content even shorter, even faster. And I was like, man, what's the goal here? Does somebody actually learn how to make a recipe is or just meant to be entertainment? And I was like, well, it just got to a point where it's like, who gives a shit. It doesn't matter what I want. It's what they want. What's the top of the funnel look like? What's the first thing that somebody sees when you're competing with other people doing skits and funny content on TikTok is really good. Their algorithm is unbelievable. And you're competing for airtime with all of that. And especially if something goes viral, you want it to be able to compete. And so there has to be some form of entertainment value with anything that we do. If we want somebody to just 
to give us their most valuable resource, which is their time. And so when you give me that compliment saying, I went down the rabbit hole and especially cause you know, the rabbit hole is a real thing. Oh, for and sure. we all go into it like, nah, not today. I got too much shit going on. I am not going to the rabbit hole. Right. And yeah, so I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. And I literally pride myself on being someone who like, I don't feel like I fall down the rabbit hole all too often. Now I intentionally go consume content. Mm -hmm. I could do that. But when I'm not intentionally consuming and I fall down rabbit holes, yeah. then I'm like, huh, that was interesting. <laughs> you look at your watch. Like, they oh, did, a, shit, they did a great job. <laughs> okay. You know, and then you're just like, yeah. what can I learn from that? And I have to ask too, just because I'm not a big consumer on TikTok mm -hmm. today specifically. So just out of curiosity, since I don't know the answer to that, I know what your following is on Instagram. Yeah. I know it's somewhere over north of 600,000. What is it on TikTok? Just out of curiosity. Just south of 700,000. So, yeah. and then the crazy thing is I've been on Instagram. I pride myself on, I just kept showing up. I've been on Instagram since late 2015 and I just kept showing up. You can scroll all the, if you want to, you can scroll all the way down my feed and look at all my first stuff. And you saw like, damn, this guy's come a long way. And I was just figuring shit out and I just kept showing up and I had enough validation sense of like proof of concept that people really wanted this. A lot of people say I created a category. No one knew what macro friendly really was or macro friendly cooking wasn't even a thing. So I was just solving my own problem. Just kept showing up over time. But I started my TikTok a little over a year ago and I passed my following on IG on TikTok in a little over a year. Yeah. But the thing is what TikTok taught me was how much that type of content is kind of what everybody wants in regards to before they truly believe in you, mm -hmm. they need that quick commercial. Why is a commercial 30 seconds? And why do you have to get to right to the points? Because people don't know you. Why would they spend their most valuable resources their time on somebody they don't even know, like, or trust? And it's mm -hmm. like, well, if you can give them a quick piece of content that isn't meant to show them everything, it's meant to show them that this is possible. And if you want to follow it that way, you can but I want to show you what's possible. And then they'll end up buying my books or something like that, which gives it much easier way to follow and just a much easier way to get to that end result. But you just show them what's possible in a way that they enjoy right. in a quick, fast paced way. Then I translated that to my Instagram and just has made to where I just have grown exponentially on my Instagram as well. The thing that gives you the most resistance usually is that thing that you tend to want to do and it sucks that that's the reality but that's why successful people are successful unsuccessful people are unsuccessful yeah and it's exactly what you touched on as far as tiktok discoverability on yeah. there i still feel this aversion to creating original content for that platform mm -hmm. just because it's not the platform i spend as much time consuming on yep. and so i even as a creator today still struggle with that battle but it is that funnel, right? Being able to capture attention there, the opportunity to do so is so great. And then you get them over eventually to your Instagram, yep. whatever, and yep. then hopefully to your site and then to your YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And there you can really build brand and build that trust, yep. that rapport all with that short form. We're just scratching the surface. Mm -hmm. We're only just starting the conversation. Yep. Then the kicker is, this is the tough part where a lot of short form creators just don't know how That's to go it. to long form. They don't know how to do that skill. And it's something that as I dove into more short form, I took time off my YouTube. I have 300,000 subscribers on YouTube mm -hmm. and YouTube was just a big family over. I had a really just awesome community and I took over a little over a year off of YouTube to figure out 
is this what I want to do? Like, is this really what I want to do? Because I know I'm talented and I know I have an entrepreneurial streak. I know how to solve problems and I know how to make enough money to where I don't have to necessarily worry about work. I can solve enough problems to where it's me solving those problems and making money for it. And I know how to spot those things. And so I didn't know if I wanted to stay in this space anymore because I was getting a little burnt out and especially with trying to do everything and trying to do every platform and do it in a way to where I didn't have enough time where I was bored and I was just like, I'm going to try this. It was more of, I had to get it right very early on and for Mm -hmm. it to be ROI positive or time efficient for me with all the things that I was doing. And so I had to cut out the one thing that wasn't the biggest revenue driver for me. YouTube's great, but it's a resource that people go to for necessarily free content. The YouTube University, that's pretty much how you see. You can sure. learn how to do anything on there. YouTube University, absolutely. That's my search engine. That's mm-hmm. my Google. But then also, I do go there to hang out with my friends. Of course. So of it's course. both. Yeah. yeah. I go there. Usually, I have friends that are on there or I go there whenever I'm eating. I don't really watch television. Right. I'll like watch something that's the time allotted to whenever I'm eating a meal or something like that. And that's something that you have to think about also when you're creating your own content. It's like mm-hmm. who, when is somebody consuming this content? And that's a way to understand what type of content you need to be producing for that platform. But I cut out YouTube because I needed more time to spend really on the craft of actually creating the best innovative, low calorie, high protein recipes I possibly can that are so easy to make that somebody has no experience cooking can make. And that was the thing. And so I need to fall in love with this process again. A little over a year later, everything is just absolutely just taken off for the most part. And now I'm literally have a YouTube video going out in two weeks, kind of just saying like, I'm back. I get comments on all my stuff like, okay, when are you coming back to YouTube? Like what's going on? And so that's where I'm excited to be able to go back on YouTube and be able to go back into that long form piece of content and It's just cool to be able to have this hypothesis in your head. You're like, I think I can do this. Come back, feel like you're hella motivated again and it's fun. And then you get to go back to something with like a new spin on it when you just felt like you just kept showing up and it was just for the sake of showing up. Yeah, because you've actually been in the game. Like you said, you just stepped away from one to go focus on another. So Mm -hmm. it hasn't always looked the same, but I do want to back up just a bit and just simply now these are the platforms that you put your energy into. But it originally started as I'm a guy who likes fitness. Mm -hmm. And obviously I would like for my food to be conducive to I'm trying to be jacked and shredded or whatever. And you touched on before we started that you originally owned a gym. And so kind of take me back a little bit and just how did we get to here? Yeah. Okay. So if we want to go back to origin, I grew up on a small town called Amelia Island, just north of Jacksonville in Florida. It's like the most northeast tip of Florida. And I uh, grew up on the beach, grew up surfing my whole life. I loved it. Got into a lot of trouble. Was a wild kid growing up. I think it just gives perspective of just, I've always been a very extreme human. My parents didn't really necessarily give me enough guidance or I kind of had to figure things out on my own. I was always the kid that was a little bit more mature and hung out with the adults more than any other kids. I was a really good surfer for my age. And so when you're out in the lineup, There was a big controversy in my hometown. I was like four years old paddling out all by myself, but I was one of the best. It was just, it was very much so a controversy and they had to vote on me allowing me to be able to paddle out by myself just because I was so young. So fast forward, really good at surfing. Then you're thinking about the setting of whenever you're out there surfing, just you and a bunch of high school kids, college kids talking about dumb shit. And when you're seven, eight years old, you learn a value system that isn't necessarily the best thing that's for you, but you 
also want to be cool and you want to fit in. And so you adopt those things. And my parents are great. I love them. They gave me every opportunity to succeed, but they didn't check in on, on me enough and ask me a lot of questions and understand how I saw the world. And so I developed a not so great value system. I was smoking weed when I was eight years old, drinking when I was eight years old, lost my virginity when I was 12, just various things that were then when kids your own age hear about it, they validate it even more and it's just further ingrains it. And so from 12 to 20, it was just a wild kid. While also the only thing I worried about was just not getting caught and got really good at that. I was kind of created a weird way of rationalizing things as being okay. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward, I ended up having awesome high school. I couldn't go back and be like, oh, wow, that wasn't cool. Like it was really cool. End up getting a, played division two college basketball, got a scholarship. So this is the part of the story where I grow up a little bit, kind of. So end up going to school, playing and my first semester at school, everything's going well. I'm playing really well. But I'm going out and partying the night before practice. I get home at 4 a.m. I practice at 4.30 a.m. Just walking in, grabbing my shoes, going right to practice. Still pretty drunk. But that was just something yeah. I'd naturally always been able to do. And I'd play fine. My roommate at the time, who I was competing for, for playing time as a freshman, as like backup point guard, I'm busting his ass. And he's didn't say a word, didn't tell on me, nothing. I like respect him to this day, like love and death. And he ended up busting my ass long term because he was putting in the work and he became so much better than I ever was. But fast forward, I didn't really have the best high school in the world either. So I'd never written anything past like a five paragraph essay. I go to school, I have five, five page papers due. And so I have 4.30 a.m. basketball practice, 3 p.m. weights, uh, class in between. I'd never done a citation in my life. I didn't know any of that stuff. So I'm at home Christmas break, had pretty solid first semester of basketball. Parents are going to be flying into my Christmas tournament. And I remember <laughs> Christmas Eve, I showed them my grades. I had a 1.3 GPA and I was academically ineligible and I couldn't even play the second semester. So they had to cancel that trip. And that was the first moment in my life where I was like, I just got caught. Yeah. I got fucking caught. Yeah, that didn't work. Oh, and it felt awful. It was the one currency I had was like my parents' validation. Like I just wanted that. And so whenever that happened, it was like a big wake up call. It's like, oh yeah, like you think you can get away with anything. No, not going to happen. And so that was great. I went back to school, started getting my grades back together. I was eligible the first semester of my sophomore year. And so back playing again, literally a week and a half into the season, I tore my iliopsoas tendon. Okay. So, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that thing is fucking. Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. that one of the rare cases that's happened i had to have a special like a doctor fly in because i was gonna even... say that's also not a common injury no at yeah. not at all i remember yeah. when it happened it felt like a gunshot actually went off in my hip it warm it was just like a really traumatic Scary. experience yeah Absolutely. so i had this major surgery i didn't run for over a year my career was pretty much done at that point and so second best thing that ever happened to me because it really put a lot of things in perspective because basketball was one of those things where it's like five foot eight white kid on scholarship playing basketball and very good at it. And that was part of my own identity. Yeah. And it was such a place that I pulled so much my self-worth from. And so that was taken away from me and told, you're probably not going to play anymore. And it's like, well, now where do I pull this identity from? Yeah. Who even am I anymore? Yeah. Who am I? So also I'm 
in a wheelchair right now. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. I'm like pretty much bedridden for the most part just because I have to let this thing really set because yeah. it has to if it wants to heal. And so that was just a very eye-opening experience. And so at that moment, I was like, what am I going to do with this time right now? So I went to a Catholic university and our school programs, we had a priest that was more of the athletic priest. And so we would all talk to him and he was a super nice guy. And he would just always be there for us. And at one point afterwards, he just checked in on me. He's like, how you doing? And I'm just like, talked to him through a lot of different things. A lot of things I felt guilty about because my parents went through like some pretty difficult marriage times growing up. And just intuitively, I helped them through some things just by observing them and would just go to one parent and be like, hey, do you notice when you do this, dad's really happy? Or dad, do you notice when you do that for mom, she's really happy? And like yeah. kind of just would like go back and forth because I didn't want, they, they sat me down and told me they were going to get a divorce. I was like, I, I don't want that to happen. And so I just became very observant and I like, gave my feedback when necessary. And so I always felt like I had like an intuitive nature like that. So whenever I got to the point where I was just like, my whole life just came to a stop. One thing I felt super guilty was about just like how promiscuous I was. I always valued marriage and the bonding of two humans, the simultaneous sacrifice that you make to be able to have that bond with somebody. It was something I valued and it was something that scared the shit out of me when my parents told me that that was going to happen. And I knew a lot of friends that whose parents split up and then what they did to them. And it's, I told him, I was like, he knew that story because I'd already talked to him about it. And he was like, well, okay. So it's like, what would your future wife feel about what you're doing right now? How you're rationalizing your behavior. And at that point, it just like punched me in the gut. I'm like, well, that's a big wake up call right yeah. there. And so that was a big thing. And then also he challenged what, me like to 21 at the time. I like was 19, 19. Okay. Yeah. Young. So yeah, I was young. And okay. so I had to figure out what the hell that even meant to me at that time. And then sure. also it was more of things happen for a reason. He's like, life doesn't happen for you. It happens to you. And I was like, oh, that was the first time I'd ever heard that. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. That's easy to remember and very much so powerful. And so he's like, just give it a try. See if you can start just thinking of like, what is your new narrative? What's your purpose? What do you want to accomplish? And so I started reading. Well, I saw a TED talk by Simon Sinek's Start With Why. And so then I read his book and that became really this thing. I was like, I tried to look for why in a lot. I was always a curious kid and I always asked why, but I didn't know why I was always asking that. And so that helped me figure out, it's like, okay, I want to help other people prevent these tragic injuries from happening to them. I want to be able to have somebody maximize their genetic potential in order to achieve whatever athletic endeavor they have or want to succeed without something just out of nowhere happening to come and derail, derail that whole thing. And so that became my new thing. And so fast forward, I end up becoming head strength and conditioning coach by the time I'm senior at my high school for a senior in college mm -hmm. for a couple of teams at the university. I was a head assistant coach and also I had simultaneously been training a lot of local faculty and staff and athletes in the local area and it's in Fort Myers, Florida. By the time I graduated, I'd saved up about fifteen, twenty thousand mm dollars. -hmm. And so my degree is in behavioral economics. And so I went to a small school called Ave Maria University. It's known for economics. And so the typical progression was you graduate, you go and go on Wall Street. You become an apprentice and then eventually five years in, you kind of run your own thing. It's just that whole cycle. And I had a lot of my friends that were out there abusing drugs and that type of life that I've never seen ever abuse uppers like that. I just never seen it. And they just weren't those types of people, but they were doing it to survive. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want that. And so I remember telling my parents, I'm like, 
I'm not going to take this job that's going to be paying me over six figures right out of school. I'm going to buy a bunch of gym equipment off Craigslist. I'm going to, right after I graduate, pick it up, put it in a U-Haul, drive it home. I'm going to go pick it up all across Florida after I graduate, drive home. And I'm going to need you guys to give me a few weeks, few months to start training local athletes and see if I can figure something out. So fast forward, I do that. After a couple of months, I then partner with the city to have my own facility to be able to be training local athletes. And then it just grew very much so exponentially. Then within a year, I was building my own facility. And then at 24, so this was a little over two and a half years in, five coaches, all full schedules. Everything is just about to open two more locations. And I remember just being like, I've never been this miserable my whole entire life. This was brutal. And this is what you wanted. This is exactly what you wanted. Yeah, you're in the industry having the impact you want to have, but the role that you were in doesn't sound like it was quite right. Mm -mm. And even if you told me two years prior that you're going to be in this exact position, you're going to have these feelings, you're I'd be like, tough shit. Like, that's what you wanted. That's what you're going to get. And you should be happy about that. But then it was more of, I had done a lot of reading too. So another thing from 20 to 24 and a half, one thing that I picked up was instead of like, I was a huge partier, instead of doing that, I just stayed in, I became antisocial, but I read a book a week for four and a half years and that changed my life. I read wow. over like 500 books and it was just, wow. Empowering. Like, yeah. And it was like, you can't unsee what you read. It was more of like, oh shit, look at all this opportunity everywhere. Look at all the, there's endless possibilities. Yep. And so once you, you read this and you see what's possible and you just repeat that over time. And it's just like affirmations over and over and over again. And you see the tactical aspects of it. It's just so much opportunity. And so I got to that point where it's like, I realized I have a choice. And it was like, I have a choice to figure out there's something else there. And at the time, like why my gym was successful was because we all had a nutritional component that we were adding into our training. And that made it just pretty much like, you know how it is. If somebody follows a nutritional component, like, and you create adherence, you're going to have success. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. The training is just more of, I'm checking in with you more than anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All clients come to anyone in the wellness space ultimately because they want an elevated quality of life. Yeah. Like it's that's And then of course we can fine tune like what that looks like and feels like for them. But generally mm -hmm. they just want to move better, feel better, sleep better, whatever. And look better. Yeah, absolutely. If we can't get that under control, then I'm just flogging you through things and you're inflamed and you're not having a good time. Yeah. And then also a lot of people associate nutrition as scarcity. You need to cut out X, Y, Z, or you're going to have to suffer. And it's like, that's yeah. not, if somebody's having you suffer, I don't think they know exactly what they're doing because there's 10 million different ways to be able to get to a desired result, but it's more of understanding exactly Though it has the least resistance to whoever you are talking to or working with at that yeah, time. Yeah, we need to make this digestible, something that you can actually apply and mm -hmm. enjoy. And if you do not enjoy it, we are not going to sustain yeah, it. It's, it's definitely been a fun thing for my journey, even selfishly, of just really coming to the place of understanding like, dang, food is meant to be enjoyed. It is a pleasurable experience. It is a social experience. And you can actually have a beautiful, wonderful relationship with food and be a healthy human. Yeah, food freedom is a real thing. And that was one of my first parts of my journey was whenever I was learning more about anatomy, physiology, and understanding how to bulletproof somebody from injury and actually maximize athletic performance. One of the big things was I didn't know shit about nutrition. And so my college basketball coach was a regionals level CrossFit competitor. 
And so he was like, My roots. yeah, <laughs> so like he would go and train at this local CrossFit gym and he would cra- train in our athletic facilities as well. And I would just watch him. And as I became an assistant, he would just add me in on some things. And you could tell that I was very much so interested in that. But when you're a year into just learning about it all, you just take the word of whoever's telling you it. And so paleo was the thing at the time. And it was a complete 180 to how I ate. But prior to that, it was like pizza, mac and cheese, everything you can think of that is quote, who the hell knew what a vegetable was? Like mm-hmm. when you're an athlete, you're burning so many calories, you're just eat whatever the hell is there. Whenever I was younger, when the hell did I ever think about food? It was more of, oh shit, I'm just going to eat right now. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, oh, I need to eat at this time or have mm-hmm. it. I just like, I don't even remember. I would just go and live. And then it's like, oh shit, I'm hungry. I'm going to have some food. I'll fix that. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it was never so complicated at all. And I think back on that now, I'm just like, man, you just can't unknow what you Ignorance is bliss at that time. But so complete 180 is paleo, literally just demonizing everything that I'd had prior telling me I'm going to die if I'm eating these foods and I need to eat like a caveman. And so I started eating like a caveman and I had a terrible relationship with food. It was so good, bad. There was no gray area. All the why was saying was there was no nuance. It was Mm -hmm. just eat like a caveman or not. And so Mm -hmm. I was eating positives. I was eating more vegetables than I'd ever eaten my whole entire life. Just wasn't eating enough calories whatsoever. And so what would happen was though, every 10 to 14 days, I had this running checklist where I would, if I was craving a food, I would yeah. like put it on this list yeah, and yeah, for I my cheat day. And mm-hmm. so I would just make this very meticulous list. And this happened for like nine months to a year where it would get to that 10 to 14th day. And I'm like, let's go. Like I'm going to the store. I'm taking my list. I'm checking it twice Mm -hmm. and I'm going to make sure I get everything. And so everything nice, everything nice. And I would take, (laughs) I would, I'd walk out of that place so excited and I would just check everything off that list. And then I'd feel like dog shit that night. And then I'd wake up the next morning feeling awful. And for the next four or five days trying to feel better. And so I just restrict, 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 and then just go all out. And yeah, what well, I mean in the bodybuilding world at least, that's popularized. Mm-hmm. That's glamorized as far as this refeed day yeah. and things like that. And so you restrict 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 yeah. and then refeed and that's actually for our metabolism like it's like what is happening mm-hmm. for our insulin? Like so much I'm getting whiplash and then yeah. that day after I feel unwell and so so just inflamed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just like that was very difficult and so after I would say, well, it was like one aha moment was whenever I was leaving the store and well, not an aha moment. It's just scary for me. It was like from the moment I caught myself, I'm like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like I remember leaving the store and gasping like, <gasps> that I'd almost forgotten one thing that was on my list. And I was like, yo, whoa, what's like, going on? What's going on? Sure. I was like, man, what is this right now? And I let it go for another two, three months. And then sure. it just got dawned on me. I was like, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And so then over time, just kind of doing more research, I look at the various things. And then I see in the paleo community, they're doing the zone diet, which is like yeah. uh, macro proportions, just kind of but categorizing it as paleo. Mm-hmm. And so then I noticed that I'm like, okay, why are they doing that? And then so just diving more into just nutrition programs. I remember way back then I did precision nutrition, which mm-hmm. is their cert level one, level two, John Berardi ended up becoming like a good friend of mine. I was going to say, I think their cert's probably the best one that yeah, I can think they, of. I mean, it's great. 
Well, back then they wouldn't even touch the term macros though, just because they associated it with eating disorders and mm -hmm. like very much so with that. But now they will hundred percent do that now just because yeah. they've seen where that's gone. But yeah, it was very, very, very much so Berardi, Ryan Andrews, both of them, they definitely showed me in the right direction. Then I found a guy named uh, Lee Norton, who has become one of my best friends. This is crazy how that all played out. And so he's pretty much the godfather. Him and Alan Aragon are pretty much like the godfathers of fle flexible dieting and if it fits your macros and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so back then it was more of you can eat Pop-Tarts and still reach your goals. And I was right. like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. I love Pop-Tarts. And so then I just started tracking macros and meticulously tracking macros. And so I fell down that rabbit hole of very extreme human. I can literally turn off a switch in my head and just mm -hmm. like not. So just another thing that I did, well... 1920 when I had that conversation with my priest mentor mm -hmm. about my future wife, I went abstinent for seven and a half years. It's like kind of like this like mental repentance for all the things that I'd done prior. That's like a whole nother fucking like, oh my God. We got like, another episode. Yeah, yeah that, that was like, that. that's a whole nother like, <laughs> don't recommend it, guys. Do not recommend it. But it taught me if I want to truly focus on something, I can... When I set my mind to something, yeah. I can do it. It's not like I went absent seven and a half years not knowing what I was missing out on. That was just well ingrained in my behavior pattern. It was not something I didn't know anything about. Mm -hmm. And so that was a whole nother uh, wrinkle to that. But in regards to a new nutritional philosophy, I just became very obsessed with hitting my macros. Per it was a game. I've gamified my whole life in order mm. to achieve whatever I want to achieve. Like mm -hmm. I need metrics that I am progressing on that show progress. Yeah. Well, I'm a fan of macros for awareness of, I mean, if we don't have data, how mm. do we know what we're doing? And so I working with clients today with nutrition, we're paying attention to macros. Mm -hmm. And so flexibility within that yes. enjoyment of it, mm -hmm. but I love it. I like to know roughly about where I am and track occasionally. And yeah. anyway, I'm, currently doing a challenge where I have people doing that. And so yeah. I'm doing it with them just kind of in solidarity, yep. you know, but it's also just a good, like, check it. How's that going for you? Whatever. But then coming off of it and intuitively like, okay, do those behaviors work for me? And, that is the goal. That is yeah. the goal. I think everybody should track for a period of time just to crane to obtain nutritional awareness, awareness, like, just being able to understand the amounts that you're putting into your body. And it's a beautiful tool. What it taught me is I need more and more consistently. Yeah. So as a human, and I speak to any human with this, I think, but especially women, it's really shrink into less equals better. And, yeah. and it certainly was a very eye-opening experience for me to realize, oh my gosh, I actually need a lot more than I thought that I need. This is wonderful because yep. food is a beautiful experience. And so who doesn't want to eat more? And if yeah. macro tracking taught me I should and could eat more to feel better and look better, let's go, let's baby. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I like what you said. Food is a beautiful experience. It really is. There's many times where we can associate we were having food and then the memory is tied with that experience, especially when we have a moment and then also the food is good and we're with people that ah, we love and enjoy. It's yeah. like, man, it's like, what's the fastest way of ruining in a moment? It's being such a stickler with what you're going to have in that moment. It just sets a vibe of scarcity rather than abundance. And so then how are you supposed to have such a memorable moment right. whenever that is where it's starting? You're just setting the tone with that. Yeah. And so where I was with my nutrition at the time was I didn't have anybody telling me about the balance. Right at that time in mm -hmm. regards to macros and stuff, there's a warfare going on. It was macros versus clean eating. And it was just like this back and forth into where it's 
if you're tracking macros, you're doing that thing. You're yeah. tracking macros and you're all about it. It just became a religion. So many diets are. Yeah. There and, are so many options mm -hmm. today and they are, you subscribe, you know? Yep. Yeah. 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 That was difficult. Okay. So with the gym, this is where the transition happened. So I had the gym and was having my clients, everybody at the gym. So my five trainers, all, we were all have nutrition seminars and we were, have all of our clients on macros and we we're creating very much so a flexible approach. And so that was going well. And I started sharing things online and I started sharing recipes. And so my social media started to take off then. And so at the time, would I say my relationship with food is the best of whatever it was? It's like, no, no, not at all. But was it helping people at the time? hundred percent. Was I practicing what I preached at the time? hundred percent. No, because I could see what it looked like in regards to if I'm on my macros exactly all the time, like I'm going to be super lean. I'm going to be very much so marketable. I'm going to be able to get myself out of having this gym. And so I could see my social, my online presence starting to grow. And so I remember whenever I made the mindset of like, oh, I can't do this gym anymore. I was like, I'm literally, we're about to open these two other gyms. And I'm like, I just can't mentally do I this anymore. I don't even want to be here. I don't even want to be here. Yeah. And so my only escape was I would like rush home during lunchtime and like film, I'd make a couple of recipes and like film some content and like yeah. post it up. And it was a cool little escape. And then that started to take off a little bit. And I remember thinking, I was like, well, how the hell do I even make money doing this? I'm like, well, everybody's asking me for a recipe book. Let me figure out how to make a recipe book. So download this software and every Sunday I would go to Starbucks and just geek out and try and figure out how to make this book. So I remember making a book. This was back in early Instagram. And I remember from September to the end of the year, I made over a hundred thousand dollars in book sales. I'm like, yo, why am I even running this gym? Why am I even running this damn gym? <laughs> what the fuck is going on right now? So I ended up Staying on with the gym for about six months after that to where it was in a position to succeed without me. Uh, and then I ended up packing my bags 2017, moving to Austin. And that's where I went full-time with my online nutrition side of things. But that my relationship with food still wasn't great. Wasn't great at all. Like in hindsight, if I think back on my progression, track macros for six months. No, don't. You don't need to track macros unless you have a goal. 100%. Gain nutritional awareness, then you're good. And no, I don't think anybody, unless they and have occasionally a, check back in, of course you yeah, can, yeah, you yeah. can, you can literally, cause it's a skill that you acquire over time. If you feel like, you know, we all kind of know intuitively if we're kind of bullshitting and we're not, and we can tell by just the way we feel, the way we're performing, et cetera. But if everything's good, cool. But I tracked meticulously for four or five years, hitting everything perfectly. And you develop just very obsessive. Yeah, behavior. I mean, it's an eating disorder within itself. 100%. And then sure. the way you look at yourself in the mirror, because you're always judging yourself based yeah. on what you ate. You're like, oh, like it didn't, it didn't perfectly, or I have to do X, Y, Z because I don't like the way my body looks. You just yeah. become hypercritical when you're so detail-oriented all the time. Sure. And so that was a struggle for me. And yeah. I remember 2017, I moved here, still battling with it. And I would say about a year and a half. I remember it was like a year and a half since I moved here. I decided I'm like, fuck it. I'm just like, dude, you're five, eight and you're like 149 pounds. What are you doing? What? I'm like, yeah. that's so small. I was yeah. like, what's going on here? And I remember I spent the next 14 to 16 months. I was like, I'm just going to gain weight. Yep. I need to reset how I see myself. I was like, the way you look at yourself now, you're never going to be able to undo that unless you gain weight. And then you don't get, ever get that lean ever again, because where I was at just wasn't a healthy spot. Yep. So 
ended up spending the next 16 months literally just in a surplus training really hard. And it was like, holy fuck, my body was like, dude, I'm vibing. Oh, fuck, let's go. I'm having a good time. Holy shit. And my yeah. body just like completely transformed completely. I sit now at 175 yeah. at just pretty damn lean and I'm just chilling. It was just well, and for anyone that doesn't know who he is, but just, just full disclaimer that he's in great shape. Okay, so me back then wouldn't even have been able to take a compliment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you telling me back then, like something clicks in yeah, my head yeah, where I'm like, like, oh, no, fuck. but it needs to be better. Yeah. Know? And I'm yeah. like, ah, like, no. It's like, no, like I'm fucking in great shape. Yep. All that whole process where I look back on that, I'm like, fucking thank God I went through all that. But at the moment, you could have told me like, dude, there's something not right here. I would have like been deep down in my saw heart and like, yeah. But then I would have been like, it's what I got to do. And I would have denied it to the face because I needed to act like I had it all together. And it's crazy what happened, what's happened the last, I was like two, two and a half years of my brand. Once I've just said, fuck it. I don't care. And I became abstinent for seven and a half years. I lost so much swagger. It's on fucking real. <laughs> <laughs> it is on. It sounds like you literally need to do another episode entirely. Oh on that. God. Yeah. It was so bad as somebody who was relied on game his whole life and just being charismatic and being able to have conversations and talk shit and sarcastic banter. And when you completely remove yourself from situations where the possibility of something happening, I just didn't want to put myself in that position sure. anymore. Didn't even want to be in the room. Yeah. And yeah. it was like, I didn't realize how much fun that was. Literally one of the, I don't know, anybody who says that sarcastic flirtatious banter is not a lot of fun is full of shit. Like <laughs> I, it's just so much fun. And I always say, I'm like, I will flirt with a wall. if yeah. I have, And it's obviously if you're in a relationship, then yeah. you need to, you know, respect the boundaries of that yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Like, and very much so I personally subscribe to that. But yeah, there's something beautiful about being an attractive human, being attracted to another human. That's cool. Yeah. That's what fucking makes you human. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you completely. That's always going to happen. Yeah. Always. Uh, especially here in Austin, man. Everybody loves to be attracted to everybody yeah, here. Yeah. And so me, I fought so many different aspects of my life, of myself that were just me. Mm -hmm. And like, I just didn't know how to reel them in or mm -hmm. be comfortable with them. And so I look back on so much of my journey and I'm thinking back on everything I've said in this podcast. I'm fucking all over the place. But. It kind of comes back to, it just makes sense because if you hear all the things that I've been talking about, it's like, just kind of just kept showing up, whether it was the right or the wrong thing. Eventually I'm going to learn. Eventually I'm going to learn. And so yeah. now I'm just, I'm in a spot where I was like, fuck man, I've done a lot of shit. And I'm at a point now where I feel great. I don't think I'm going to regret any of the me right now. And there's so many different aspects where I'm like, Hey, you could have taken so much more of a shortcut. You could have been here at 25, 26, but it's like, would I have dabbled back into destructive behaviors if I would have gotten it a little too early or mm -hmm. like obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. but am I happy with where I'm at right now in regards to just some of the confidence aspects of myself, the most confident in myself I've ever been, no more really the dumb insecurities that I had prior, yeah. dumb. We all have those insecurities where it's like, come on now. Then they radiate into irrational behavior, avoidance. Yeah. And when they're present, we don't even know they're going on. No. You know, like when you're in the thick of it, you are in the thick of it. Yeah. And you are often completely unaware of that reality yeah. until you get whopped yeah. by something. Adversity comes and is like, excuse me, that's no longer serving you, sir. Yeah. Unless you get whopped like Nick Minaj whop or... <laughs> 
You don't want that, but <laughs> oh, we do want that. <laughs> but saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So it sounds like you're in a great spot today, mm-hmm. which I just think is so cool because it's been a lot of years working really hard on building this thing. And the reality is that your facilities that you opened years ago positively impacted people tons. Mm-hmm. And your content today, it does so many things for so many people. Mm-hmm. It entertains them. Yep. It gives them resources. It shows them that food freedom that you're talking about that, oh my gosh, I can make these foods that are so satiating and yep. wonderful and still have them and live my life and still be healthy. Yep. You are in service to this community mm-hmm. in this way that right now it's so nice to know that it does feel fulfilling for you yeah. and that you feel you're getting joy out of yep. it because there are those seasons where you're like grinding away but I think I should be doing this thing but you FOMO not- you FOMO in so many different directions of like okay is this the thing that I really want to dive mm-hmm. into and so I guess for me there was never a point up until probably a year year and a half ago where I was like am I in the right spot there wasn't that like oh fuck this is it there's no more FOMO in any other direction other than this right here I just can't discredit all the vast things that I went through that obviously could have been cut a little bit shorter or could have had a shorter lifespan, but it's to the people that get to a way later in life where they don't even have the opportunities like that I have now in their 50s, 60s. Most people never get there. It makes me uncomfortable. It makes me very uncomfortable. It makes me sad because it's, I don't think I'm necessarily special. I just kept showing up. Yeah. Yeah. I love that that's the theme that you're clearly just infusing in all of this is keep showing up. Mm -hmm. And even for yourself, even though you're at this beautiful place where you feel pretty content, which is wonderful. And I love that you're there and I hope you hang out there. But no matter what, you just go and keep showing up and you're going to learn and change and grow because you do that. And today, this year, it sounds like a good focus is YouTube and then maybe next year it's something else. But hopefully as long as it resonates with you, I think that's another cool thing about building personal brand is that as you grow and shift as a human, that personal brand gets to grow and shift with you nobody too. Nobody can take it with, nobody can take it from you. No. Like nothing that you experience, everybody can take away everything else that you do. That was like just some big mental, I don't know when it this further, it really clicked for me, but it was like, I guess in hindsight, looking back on all the shit I've gone through, no one can take that away from me, that perspective that I have, like kind of just going through that grind. And then every single aspect is just exponentially so much more beneficial as you go along because it just stacks, it stacks, it stacks, it stacks. And then nobody can take that away from you. So it's like, if they take away everything material, you still have that perspective, which a lot of people just never gain from themselves. They rely on other people to gain perspective. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, I don't know how much you know about my story, but even two years ago, that was the case. I couldn't have told you an independent thought. I mean, it was just entirely, my existence was hinging on, what do you think of me? Yeah. So it was was quite pivotal Uh, to to need to, I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. But now, thankfully, I got enough pain and enough desperation to be like, all right, well, this sucks. I'm going to go somewhere else now. Yeah. And then it's been beautiful since. And, And it was really hard and it was very worth it. So anyway, I want to talk to you about, because... You have built personal brand. And that is something that so many people are so hungry for more information about. Because if we're learning anything in today's world, everybody in every line of business, that is an advantageous. And so a lot of people are really struggling with their relationship with social media and all of that stuff. And where do I even start? How do I even start? Whatever. And so I want to make sure and point out You've been at it for a minute. It's the exact thing that you said now of, 
I just kept showing up. Mm -hmm. You started to create this content in sounds like written format on some spreadsheets or something so very many years ago. And so now they go to your page and they see this beautiful, consistent content that is rabbit hole friendly. But it did not start there. But you did it and you kept showing up. Mm -hmm. And so if we were to just take cram all those years together and get some big takeaways for personal brand building, if you were to talk to somebody who's really needing to do that thing, wanting to do that, feeling tugged to, what do you say to them? I would say it's tough because the reality of the situation is social does not give two shits about you. It gives all the shits about are you feeding into that rabbit hole. I tied so much of my personal self into social in the sense of my personal, I would just overshare too much of my life. I didn't rely solely on just my product that I was giving that was so great that didn't rely on people knowing anything about me. They just wanted what I had. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in the sense of I would sabotage my recipes and my content as not being good enough, I wouldn't make it as good enough because it would force me to overshare or have to share more parts of my life. And so when I flipped the switch of, oh no, you're going to put this extra effort into being so great. It was imposter syndrome. I would make my content not as great just because I would sabotage myself. And then I'd have to overshare and fill in the gaps with just like thinking that people wanted to know more about me they do, but thinking that that was a necessity. And then that made me burn out and made me feel like this was always, it never turned off because you're always doing something in your life. There's always something to share. You don't have to share it. Right. And so establishing those boundaries for yourself. 100%. That's what creates it. That's what makes it sustainable. But if you don't set those boundaries, which I didn't do for six years, guys, that's literally was a huge reason why I was so insecure because I shared everything and I put myself in the position where okay, the biggest, scariest thing as a creator is becoming irrelevant. Everybody that I knew back in 2015, 16, 17 that were relevant are no longer relevant. The gods that we all knew that were the big time influencers at the time, they have millions of followers but can barely get a thousand likes on their shit. It's the scariest thing as any creator is to become irrelevant. And so I thought that I needed to just put myself out there more and more to stay relevant. I needed to continue to share. I needed to keep people intrigued. I needed to do the next big thing or the next When In reality is just be fucking great at what you do Yeah. and nothing else matters. And it just made it so simple. It's like, fuck, I posted on my story once in the past, like five days, everything's going to be fine. If you're great, you're going to be fine. Yeah. And so I guess that's my biggest thing is, be fucking great at what you do and none of this other stuff is going to matter. Point blank. And that's like the biggest thing that changed in my mind was like, just be a master at your craft. Do the thing. Do everything necessary. Literally write down, what is your thing? Like, what is that thing that you are great at? Okay, mm-hmm. let's break this down into a recipe. That seems very fitting for uh, who you what are. I do. Let's yeah. say, okay, well, let's look at this. Okay, what are the ingredients of what this looks like? What's the first ingredient? Second, okay, let's go down that. Okay, what are the directions? What is the first step of the recipe? What is the second step of the recipe? Repeat that over and over and over again. Build processes that make that even easier to do over time. And then you're going to fucking look back in a year, two years, and you're like, oh, shit, I have rabbit hole content. And I am somebody that someone can't live without. 
I'm somebody will search for in order to find because they're, your stuff is so valuable. And it took me so long to figure that out. I thought that I had to be all things mm -hmm. when you just need to be one thing so damn great. So my best advice would be don't sabotage yourself mm -hmm. by thinking you need to be all these things because you see all these influencers sharing all this stuff and they want celebrities having to be all these things all at once. You just need to be damn great. I think of it this way. Okay. Let's say Joe Burrow, quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. Got it, yeah. He's not on social media. Does it matter he's on social media? No, because he's an all-pro NFL quarterback who went to the Super Bowl last year. Will his account continue to grow followers and he doesn't post shit on there? 100% because he is that guy. Mm -hmm. That's he, his role. His role, if he was continued to post on social media, but and that took away from him being an all-pro quarterback, social media doesn't mean nothing. It means absolutely nothing. But if he continues to play all-pro level and become one of the best quarterbacks there is, it doesn't matter because that is his thing. And so I guess my best advice is just find your thing. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think that the other piece to this is that if you are figuring out your thing, you're going to have to try realistically 100%. some different things yes. to figure out what your thing is. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I think about content creation for myself personally and that I just started to do that at the end of January, beginning of February last year. And it looked very different than it does today. And I'm still figuring it out, yeah. but that's okay. And it's cool because it's getting more clear to yeah. me what I even want to be up to yeah. with it. You have to go through that uncomfy process to arrive there. But once you start to be like, man, this really, I fuck with this. Like, yeah. I, this works for me. I'm having fun with this, the creative flow, whatever. And then just like, all right, go get it. So if it's blog writing or if it's podcasting or yep. whatever, for you, it's specifically this food content. And the reality is that it can change. you have officially built personal brand. Yes. People know who you are and they like you. Mm -hmm. And so if you decide that you want to go start to do something different, you get the opportunity to do that. And there's probably gonna be a lot of people who are going to be pretty interested because you've shown that your model works. Yep. So that's actually an exciting thing it's, for it, you. It's a cool position to know that to be. you're not married to this thing that you do today as much as it's dope. You built a dope thing. And, Whenever and you want to go build something else dope, go do it. A hundred percent. And it just can't be so out of the ballpark, out of this, where it's like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Where it's like, you can stay in this realm because your audience is in this realm and they associate with what you do and the value that you provide to where it's, oh, this makes sense. It's like an old NFL quarterback now becoming a commentator on a game. It's like, whoa, wow, that makes sense. Why is Tom Brady going to be paid $34 million a year to be a commentator by Fox whenever he retires? Because he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Mm -hmm. It's like you have an opportunity. Once you have proof of concept, there's endless opportunities within your niche to be mm -hmm. able to branch out and do whatever you want. So it's for me, what does the future hold? Let's just continue to stack, continue to find this flow. And YouTube's my big focal point for this year. YouTube and this continuing to just build community. And I'll say it. I have a goal. I'm going to start some fundraising for macro-friendly food trucks here in Austin as like, I don't, the timeline is very much so. I'm just trying to eat there. That's yeah, all. Yeah. The timeline is to be determined, but it's something that I already have all the funding lined up if I want it. And it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, how do I want to go about doing this? And is it going to take away from everything else? So it's yeah, like, do I don't have, have to do it. Yeah. I don't have to yeah. do it. I get to do it. And so I'm trying to figure out what the best way possible fit is for that that's yeah. going to make it sustainable that's going to make me want to just make that thing yeah like, which of course what comes to mind for me is get the right people involved yes, in it so yes. that that way you can still you can't be rush that what you're good at 
and not have to do all that other mm -hmm. stuff because there are other operators that yeah. exist that will be great at doing those yeah. things and we'll get fulfillment out of it. Mm -hmm. And that ain't your role. No, 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 yeah. not at all. Not at yeah. all. So yeah, that's the fun goal. That's a late this year, early next year type thing. But that's so many different little things that I'm working on just behind the scenes that are fun. So I think that because of the content creation piece being a big part of this, just that's just what you do. Another question, because there are going to be people who are inspired by what you do. Maybe they're making recipes at yeah. home for themselves or doesn't even have to be in your niche, but whatever. For your content creation flow, by now it's very aesthetically pleasing, consistent, mm -hmm. all of that. What does your flow look like today? Okay, so point blank, I film, I concept, film, edit all my content, all myself. I like to have full autonomy on that. That's just one of those things where it's like, I could outsource it, but I'd be so much slower. And so I've learned to just be very much, I shoot, we have three cameras in here. Yeah. I shoot with three cameras at one time, all same quality. I have a seven three, this a seven S like Sony. Yeah. So I have a pretty expansive setup, but I, for the most part shot with my iPhone a lot of the time, I would say two and a half, three years ago, I started to shoot like really nice camera type stuff. And I have a hypothesis that like shooting on your iPhone, you're going to do better on social because social wants you to create with your iPhone, which is uh, very interesting. Eric and I have been testing this and yeah. confirming this theory. Yeah, that definitely is a thing. So it's I, crazy. Yeah. It's rewarding. Yeah. So it doesn't look as good. It's infuriating. No. Yeah. It's frustrating, but it's been a hypothesis I've had for a while. Um, you're not I, alone. Yeah. <laughs> I've had some friends that I'm like, that are learning how to use a camera. I'm like, no, nah, just go back to using your iPhone. Their shit just took off. And I'm like, cool. And so I would say my process is, R&D. I look at what I've made of late. I spend one couple hours a week where I'm like, okay, what am I making the next two weeks? And so I try to get two weeks ahead, but there's always, I can just sub things in whenever I need to sub things in uh, to switch out recipes and stuff. But I have a flow of one savory recipe, one sweet recipe, one savory, one sweet. Because I have a brand, a supplement brand called Flex, and I created a product called Protein Cookie Butter Powder which was first to market. No one had ever heard of it before. It was very interesting launching that. When Cody no one, and I both want some, by the way. I got you. Yeah, we got to get it figured yeah, out. Yeah, I got you next time we I see were, you. We were literally yeah, talking about it within the last week. <laughs> oh, shit. I got you. Yeah, I'll get you some. I'll pay for it, but no, I, I no, want it. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I want it. No, I got you. So I like to keep the balance between that because that feeds that brand, uh, gives more opportunities, more recipes for the people. That brand was literally created because I needed more protein powders specifically formulated to make recipes with. It was just frustrating using all kinds of different brands that just were not formulated for recipes and, and or flavoring and or uh, versatility, so many different things. So I was having to finagle things way too much and just created too much resistance towards an end product that was amazing. And so I created that product, uh, that supplement line. So I like to keep that balance. And so I'll say every, try not to make too much structure because it takes a lot of the fun out of it yeah. and spontaneity. That's why I like to film my own stuff. But I feel like filming right now. In I'm the gonna mood, go, yeah. I'm going to go film. Run. I don't have to like, oh, call my videographer. He's like, oh, I can't get over here. Da, 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 da. It just creates, I'd rather spend more money and more resources doing other things outside of that. And so I, um, R&D, I'm like, okay, have I made this prior? Yes or no. If I haven't, I'm like, okay, time to go to the food science drawing board. Let's figure out, okay, if I've never made this before, I look at, okay, what's the best quality version this is in its ultimate form? If a pastry chef or any a chef in general is going to make this, no ingredients off limits. It can be the highest fucking calorie it could possibly be. Okay, how do I make it like that? Then it's like, okay, let's go to the food science drawing board. Substitutions, substitutions. You're looking at, okay, 
bam, bam, bam. Okay, if this, if this, okay, I don't want to mess with the acidity with this. this is going to make sure it rises, it doesn't rise. You're constantly looking at this balance of what's the minimum effective dose or what can I change here in order to come to the closest end result that is closest to that original food. food. Yeah. yeah. And so you want to have that taste test to be very similar, very, very similar. And so if something is 1200 calories and it's full nature of just this, it is, that's its essence. Like yeah. if you make something that's 200 calorie version of that, that's going to be very difficult. So there is a ratio at which that you're looking at. Calories are substance. You can't make up energy. Energy is part of food. Yes. Some foods are so calorically dense because there's so much energy packed just into it. packed into it as much as possible. But there is this ratio of you can't have false expectations where you're just going to fill energy with no energy and expect there to be a similar end product. Sure. So I just think that that's something where in the macro friendly, low calorie community, where some people just have a, a not so rational understanding of how sure. food is meant to be, the energy that is that food. So I come into it with the idea of this has to have a certain amount of energy to it, aka a certain amount of calories. And so my goal is to make it to where it's the highest protein, moderate to low carb, moderate to low fat, it possibly can. And that's the end goal. So once I have a concept, R&D it, I could take a long time, that could take a short amount of time, play around with it, um, constantly just subbing out one ingredient, trying another ingredient, just spending time just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what it sticks. And mm -hmm. then I'm like, take a bite, and I'm like, oh shit. That's it. And so if I have time that day, I'll like, all right, let's do it. If not, then I schedule it for whatever time in the future. So then I have my setup. So I have a pretty nice place. And so I have all my camera equipment in one big room. I come set it up in my kitchen, set up all my cameras, all that kind of stuff, film it, take all the footage, put it on my computer, edit that thing, bada bing, bada boom, record my voiceover, put it out on all social platforms. And it's a pretty streamlined process mm -hmm. to where it's my transition that's the biggest thing. That's where waste of time happens is in the transition. Slow. It's mm -hmm. like where you can take that. Well, and the more people that are involved in the process, the longer it gets for sure. Yeah. And so that's and so, and so another thing to be aware of. Yeah. And so I look at, okay, what is going to make me consistent if I control the whole process? Yeah. If I don't control it, if I rely on somebody else, then it's just not going to be consistent. It's being realistic of once that slowing down of momentum happens and the chances of you getting out or creating that content on a consistent cadence, it just slows down dramatically. It's just having the awareness to be able to understand what are those linchpins in that whole system that have to be there and what are the ones that you can outsource? And that's where that comes into play. Yeah. Well, and your system's so streamlined now because you've done it so many freaking times. Yeah. So you can still ideate and, and change things up as you see fit and year mm -hmm. over year things do shift. And that's fun. Yeah. But I certainly know that with reps comes ease is a phrase 100%. I love to use. And it's no different in the creation space of the first time you go try to create your very first reel. You yeah. know, it's like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? Can I ask you a question? So would you consider yourself trying to figure out your creative process right now or your literal lane of what type of content you want to create? I know you dabble and I know that you're trying a bunch of different things. Would you say in regards to what you've done of late, you've had some aha moments or like, oh shit, that worked well. Yeah. I'm still in such a discovery phase yeah. of things for me that if you look at my page there, it's pretty wildly inconsistent. Yeah. I have pretty much said since day one and certainly still stick to that. I've done many things that do not equate to rapid growth because I'm trying to figure out 
So I originally started with largely just, it was just trying to market this one brand's clothing. So then I found like, oh, funny content of me in the gym. People love that. People yeah. love to laugh and that's fun to create. So I was yeah. having fun with that trending audio, whatever. And then as I've gotten further into the space, and so that started out as just trying to do stuff for them because they asked yep. me to, and it's taken a much different shape over time. But now I'm using different platforms differently. We're here sitting here today on a podcast. Obviously, I didn't even start the podcast yep. until last fall. And I love this platform and ability to do things like this in this way. Yeah. So for me, I think that I have come so far as far as understanding what I'm trying to get done, but the how I'm getting it done, mm -hmm. we are figuring it out. Yep. And I'm so at peace with that. I'm having fun with it. So I don't yeah. even care. It's coming together. Did I know that I wanted to be a coach? Honestly, a year ago? Absolute. I was in refusal. Yep. Absolute refusal. Now I have just a few days ago launched my first eight week transformation yeah. challenge. That's crazy. I'm running a transformation yeah. challenge. Are you kidding me? But I'm having fun with it. And I have set up systems now, thankfully, that make that work for me. And the product that the consumer is getting is good. And so I'm, I'm stoked about it. Yeah. Do I want it to be better? Yeah, but I'm happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the biggest thing is this talent. We all know when somebody's talented. Like mm -hmm. we can always tell of like, oh, it's only a matter of time. You can tell that you're super talented and you're going to try a bunch of stuff and then something's going to stick. And then you're like, all right, bam, this is the thing. And it's hard to say because when you dabble, it's exhausting because there is no streamlined process. Right. It's dabbling is that's where I was for a long time because yeah. I wanted to be anything and everything. I thought it needed to be education. I know I thought I needed to be lifestyle. I thought I needed to be recipes. And I was like, I don't want to be known for just recipes. And it was this fighting of it's so obvious this is the thing this mm -hmm. is what people want mm -hmm. and so i fought that for so long and it made my life so much more difficult than it needed to be but then it's like okay once you lean in to that it's great for you if i were to say i have a cousin he's such a great artist and mm -hmm. he's got really pretty eyes and he's a good looking kid and i was mm -hmm. like dude your content needs to be in a nice place with nice light, looking into the camera with your beautiful blue eyes mm -hmm. and you need to play music. Mm -hmm. For you, you have really pretty eyes and a great smile. You being able to just be in some way, shape or form highlighting that quality mm -hmm. in regards to you. It's like, I think that is a something that no matter if you're a male, female, wherever you come from, pretty eyes and a great smile is something we, it is just hard to not appreciate. It is just something that right. like, beauty I think is, is a beauty. super party. Yeah, yeah, it's a superpower. And so I just think that if I were to say just you to eyes, like yeah. your eyes and smiles, such a big asset, massive asset. So it's like anytime you have the ability to be able to do that, it's like, man. Yeah. Yeah. And figuring out, okay, that's what, so then let's just play on this yeah. for just another minute. And I appreciate that. Thank you. I didn't have anything to do with either one. So I'm just grateful for them, mm -hmm. you know, of course. And especially through behaviors. I'm like, that's crazy. I still got all my teeth. That's nuts. <laughs> anyway, really. So, okay, then use those things that are your traits that work well, and they don't have to be physical at mm -hmm. all. And I will say one of the things I love to point out to people that are in the fitness space, a lot of people consuming this are going to be in that in one capacity. And I love to make sure, I don't know why I want to just say this now, but your waistline is literally the least interesting thing about you. Yes. 100%. I hope you heard that. Yeah. So remembering that about myself or whatever, but so if we know that those are things that are working well, okay, then what is the message I want to package in and deliver there? You know what I mean? Like yeah. for me, it's use the things that you've got that are working in your favor. They get attention. They get for attention. Sure, mm -hmm. For sure. Use what you've got to get the job done. And for me, if it's, I want to positively impact people's quality of life, which is well, ultimately like, that's what you're doing too. Yep. And so, okay, then make sure 
to use your freaking assets yeah. and don't to be, get your message across. And yeah. it's okay that you have assets. And so maybe they're not whatever. Maybe it's the fact that you are eloquently well-spoken. Yep. Maybe you're just funny as yep. hell. There are just so many different ways to get there. And so figuring out what are your things that you do well, yeah. and then just get after it. It's very interesting. I love asking the questions like, what are your strengths? What do you like about yourself that you're like, that's it right there. I know I'm really good at this. I know this is an asset of mine. When I ask people that question, a lot of times they're like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and they get like real. I'm like, no, I can tell you them right away. And I think anybody can tell us our own strengths, but it's weird when you know somebody's strength and then they can't even say thank you for the strength that you're telling them that they have. And you know that they know that they have because. Well, and there were years of your life where you couldn't take a compliment. 100%. You know? And there were years of my life where it was like, get the heat off me. Don't yeah. talk. And so now we're in a place where we're evolved enough. Where we're yeah. like, oh, no, like that actually is my thing for somebody listening, if you're like, I literally do not know, or I'm not comfortable enough, whatever, ask the people around you yeah, who truly tell you. know you, get with them and be like, hey, can you help me sort through what are my strengths? Yep. And they're going to tell you and then pick five to 10 people or, and then put them all together and look at the themes. A lot of them are going to say similar stuff. And then you can really be like, man, those really are my strengths. Mm -hmm. Okay. How can I use those for my mission? Yeah. For your content. Yeah. That's a big yeah. thing. Cause that's what you were talking about. It's like when you're dabbling and you're trying a bunch of content, don't be afraid to ask people what they think mm -hmm. of your content in regards to people that know you that can identify your strengths. They'll know when you're leaning into your strengths for your content. Mm -hmm. They'll know when it feels stretched or that doesn't feel right or something like that. It's like, unfortunately, the feedback loop on social isn't necessarily great. Like when a female is more female, they tend to get more likes. When you show more skin, it's a very much so a very... Um, it's a cheat code. It's a cheat code. I have a cheat code. You don't. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. have to work harder for yeah, it. I'm I mean, just acknowledging that reality. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's true. And... This is one of those things where if I cooked with my shirt off, I would have more followers. Yeah. So yeah. It was just one of those Depending things. Depending on platform. Yeah. TikTok, 100%. Yep. My content, if you go watch my videos, you have no idea I lift. You have no idea. It's very hard to specifically how I crop my videos. And they, well, and you're sitting here in a jacket. So if it wasn't for the fact that the first time we met, you were literally lifting, I wouldn't even know that. No, no. That's and it's just like, that's a cool spot actually to be in because I would yep. have been prior a couple, I would say two, three years ago, I'd have been more insecure to not look like I lift and then talk yeah. about things that are pertaining to lifting and or recipes and stuff. I would have imposter syndromes like, oh, I don't look the part. Right, right. And now you're secure enough in it. Okay, so this has been fun and there were actually like a handful of things we we're just not gonna get to, but we do need to kind of wrap now. We're in on time and I appreciate your time. All good. So I always like to finish out an episode with asking a simple three things that you're grateful for mm -hmm. today. The more and more I'm around my parents, the more and more I realize how much they sacrifice for me. That's just number one. The more and more, obviously, you, you make money, you, you see how much things cost, you see your time, how much you value your time, and that's full autonomy on your time, and you see how much sacrifice that they made in regards mm -hmm. to giving you every opportunity to succeed, especially myself. I just can't help not see every time I see them. Man, like it just gets more and more every single time. So I'd say my parents, uh, number one, I'd say number two, I'm grateful to have a circle of people around me that I know will always keep it 100 with me. And they'll always just want to see me succeed. And I had periods of time whenever I didn't, and it was so hard. I had a time because whenever I ended up selling the gym, I had a partner. He was one of the original founding members of Microsoft. He was very much so very, very wealthy. 
net worth of $500 million, like stupid money. Mm -hmm. And so he became a business partner of mine because I was a trainer. I trained him. I trained his daughter. I trained his grandkids. He was like, I just see talent here. Yeah, whatever it is. And so whenever I go play, yeah, whenever I built up the gym and successful and I wanted to get out, he'd worked out this where I was going to leave in six months and I was going to be good. And turns out there was a clause in the contract that I fully trusted. I was 24 at the time. I was 23 when I signed the contract originally. There was a clause in the contract that was, if I were to leave, I was responsible for half of the money that was spent of the build out of the gym. And so I went into crazy legal battle with him. This fucking pennies on the dollar for him. And I remember leaving that gym and I remember I spent every single dollar I had to just be able to leave that gym and go full time mm. with like FDL and all that stuff and move to Austin. I spent every single dollar I had. I remember I had saved up at the time. I was so proud of myself, $150,000 gone. I was like, I oh, fuck it. I'm so over this. And Whatever I remember I takes. spent all that money. And so that was a great realization of you might think you have really cool people around you, but what happens when shit hits the fan and it's not going to go their benefit Will they be there for you or will they take advantage of the situation? So a lot of people that make a lot of money, they protect their downside. And so he protected against his downside Mm -hmm. by trying to make me have to stay. Mm -hmm. But I knew my upside was way higher than just that dollar amount. So that's why I bet on myself. And so that's number two. Number three, I would say just I wake up every day feeling, I won't say content, but I feel as if like I'm the most comfortable in my skin I've ever been as somebody who was so food focused for so long. I don't think about food. I have zero cravings towards food. I have no FOMO towards food. People can have food in front of me and I don't give a shit. Food is literally all it is. It's food to me. And I have structure around it. I know its purpose. I know it's meant to make me feel great and I enjoy it. I don't eat things I don't enjoy, Mm -hmm. but simultaneously I eat things that I know that are going to benefit me. I'm just grateful to be in a position where my life is just flowing really well. Mm-hmm. And the things that used to be have a lot of resistance toward them just don't have that anymore. So I would say those are the three. Yeah, I like it. Thank you. I do have a couple of other questions specific yeah. for you, but I'm going to say my three gratitudes real quick as well. So my three today is going to be actually something we touched on earlier, printed literature. Uh, part of my challenge is yep. for everybody to read and I'm doing it alongside them. So we're reading and yep. I'm just so grateful for a practice. I had incorporated that into my life last year and held that out for a good number of months. And it was a really positive experience. So I'm grateful to have reincorporated that again. And printed literature is powerful. Unbelievable. I started reading again. I burnt myself out when I read four and a half books. I mean, four, I read a book a week for four and a half years. And that was a lot. I couldn't read for a while after that. But I'll say about a year ago, I picked up reading again i've read pretty much read a book a week for the past year i just enjoy it now and it's like my brain is just i wake up at 5 a.m every day i go to bed at nine i'm very structured in that i love to see it oh it's the best and so i wait and then i read in the morning for about 45 minutes and after that it feels superhuman my brain is just to go from task there's no buffer period there's just right into it after you can prove to yourself in the morning that you can read it's just in that flow state after I read in the morning because you've already spent time bettering yourself and mm-hmm. learning. Everybody's goal is to have read, write their own book and life's work right there. That changed my life prior reading those all those books, but then getting back in the habit now with the perspective and the experience that I have and the content that I have in myself, it's like, man, it's been super beneficial. So can yeah. definitely attest to that. Yeah. I'll want some book recommendations from you too. I got you. So another gratitude is I love the new year disposition that occurs at this time of year. I just love the new year, new me. 
any opportunity for people to feel inspired, motivated, whatever, to pick up a new habit, to do something differently than they've done before. I don't give a shit what your excuse yeah. is. And I love that New Year's is one where people are like, all right, let's go. Fuck it, so let's go. Yeah. I'm here for it. I'm good. And then actually the third one I have is uh, my support system as well. It's just I feel like my support system right now is I can't even wrap my brain around it. I'm like, how is this my tribe? This is nuts. But it was intentional cultivation of it. Yeah. It was really seeking out those opportunities to have those relationships and ask those people how I could show up for them. That's how it got done. It's just really cool to see it work. And did it simultaneously happen while you set boundaries as well? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 All yeah. this growth yeah. is, yeah, we can talk about that. But okay. So I want to ask you of your recipes. Yes. This very moment. Favorite. Oh, man. Just right now. I mean, uh, I understand right. you can have different favorites yeah. in different moods. I so, made two of your recipes this week. Which ones? Chicken nuggies. Oh, chicken nuggies are great. Those are clutch. They're so easy to make. Way easy. So if I were to say right now, the one pot buffalo chicken mac and cheese was incredible. But I would say also this ramen that I made, the beef and broccoli ramen stir fry, that was amazing. That was a brand deal with one of my sponsors, Certified Angus Beef. Shout out Certified Angus Beef. But that was incredible. Because if you haven't had ramen in a while... Mm -hmm you forget how good ramen is. And mm -hmm. then whenever you make it, you're like, fuck, why am I not eating this all the time? And then you just don't make it for a while. And yeah. then you make it again. You're like, all right, I'm gonna make it some more right now. I eat fries every day though, too. It's my lunch pretty much every day is some type of protein source and a bunch of fries. I love fries. I highly recommend anybody listening to this, get an air fryer. Get an air fryer. Get a fucking air fryer. You're making life so much more difficult on yourself by not having an air fryer. Mm -hmm. Like if you just want, even if it's just heating up food, Heating up food, get an air fryer safe, like pot or tray or plate or whatever, and you just put your food on there. You heat it up in there instead of the uh, microwave. You're going to be like, damn, this is literally better than what it was actually fresh. Right, right. Okay. So then if you could collaborate with anyone, who would it be? One thing that blew up my YouTube channel is I would fly out and I'd do full day of eating episodes with various well-known people in the industry. And I would go out and cook for them for the day and like all the macros were tracked and I would cook all day and we'd make these really cool episodes and that blew up my YouTube channel. And so right now I was born and raised near Jacksonville, like big Jacksonville Jaguars fan. And so I would say, and this is actually going to happen, Fred Taylor, just a massive fan. So Fred Taylor was my favorite Jaguars player growing up. And now we text back and forth. They're really close friends. He's going to be voted into the NFL Hall of Fame this year. And so he's... Just like the Jaguars, this crazy full circle thing for me. The Jaguars fly me into games and give me a box whenever I want to go to games and stuff like that. And so it's just like all kinds of crazy full circle type things. I'm going to be so, doing charity work with the Jaguars where we're going to go and I'm going to be with the players and I'm coming with the players to go and teach nutrition. For me, I would say a pinnacle is like once I do film this with Fred Taylor, it's like, oh shit, this is a real tangible thing that when you were a kid... You looked up, the, the, I didn't have this brand. That showed me what brand equity is. You can meet your heroes. And they can become be your peers. Yes, by being so great at something. Yep. And so I guess for me, unless I was a fan of you whenever I was a kid, I don't really care unless I meet you in person and I really, really like you. Yeah. I could be better at that. I could be better at collaborating. It would definitely help my brand, but it's like, I don't know. You're doing just fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Do whatever you want to yeah. do. Yeah. So I like it. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So where can the listener find you, support you? Best way you can support me is just follow me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. I would say if you are listening to this podcast, just shoot me a DM. 
and just say that you listen to the podcast and if you got to this point definitely we'll like buy back and forth yeah with you. you're a ride or die yeah i'm like damn you that's what's <laughs> up in it. yeah so i would say just check me out the flexible dining lifestyle on instagram and then i'm on tiktok but it's uh the zach rushalo but if you type in my name like if you were to type in the flexible dining lifestyle on tiktok it would pop up and then it's the flexible dining lifestyle on youtube cool cool all of that will be in the show notes guys so just head down there to find his stuff other than that we just appreciate you for being here if you're still here like he said i'm gonna ask you to please follow the show wherever you're consuming it rate and review it share it with somebody that you feel like it will positively impact and other than that we just hope you have a beautiful day